Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. I'm joined today by someone who was actually quite hard to find. I I got a message. i give you some background of why we're talking about this. So today, we're going to talk about hoarding, by the way, cats in particular, I guess. And um, I got a message from someone on Facebook that had pointed out that we had a mutual contact, and she was concerned that this person was a hoarder. She told me that she had like 80 cats. And I had no idea that, that this person was having an issue. And she asked me to do an episode on hoarding. So we're going to talk about what it is. How do you know if you're a hoarder? What can we do to help a hoarder when we come across one? And I tried to find a specialist like a psychiatrist or a psychologist who treats hoarding, but I found someone even better. So our guest today is Aviva Vincent, and Aviva teaches animal-assisted interventions at the University of Tennessee in the Veterinary Social Work Certificate Program. And she was referred to me, actually, by an attorney who handles animal cruelty cases, and they know each other because um, she's reached out to Aviva to testify about hoarding. So welcome to the show, and tell us a little more about how what you do relates to hoarding. Absolutely. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on to talk with you. Um, And I'm really excited that this topic had come up because really when we talk about the intersection of um, humans and animals in our relationships together, hoarding is actually one of the least discussed um, areas of that relationship. So I'm really actually very excited for this topic. as such, where it's also kind of a, a smaller part of the, the overt conversations, it also, hoarding is a smaller subset of the work that I do. So I am um, a veterinary social worker. So I have the certification through the University of Tennessee program. It's the only one um, in the country for veterinary social work specifically. There are a couple other universities that offer similar types of training as well. Um, and what that looks like is as a social worker, Um, My focus in practice is to support the intersection of humans and animals. So the bond that we have, um, both in strength, um, so when we talk about service animals, therapy animals, emotional support animals, um, but also in challenges. So animal abuse, hoarding, domestic violence situations, um, different challenges that may come up for people that include their animals. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know that such work out there existed, so I'm I'm glad to hear that it does. Absolutely. And so, how would you define hoarding? If you were going to put a definition to it, what is what is hoarding? So, it's a little bit of a bigger. If I take a step back, actually, first, so hoarding itself falls under, technically under animal abuse. So animal abuse um, is 
any type of um, experience that is harmful or hurtful to an animal. So that can look like physical um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, or hoarding. Um, the reason that it's categorized as a form of abuse is because the animal's not getting what it needs to thrive and be healthy. But the actual definition of hoarding is when a person accumulates a large enough number of animals that they're no longer able to provide appropriate food, water, shelter, socialization, and or veterinary care. So that means that not all of those things can be lacking, right? So it could be that they are malnourished, but they're getting socialization. It could be that they're, they're well fed, but they're not getting veterinary care or socialization. Um, so any number of those um, components are missing in the welfare of the animal. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Is it, do you know, I, I know you're not an attorney, but do you know if it's like when there are hoarding cases, are they prosecuted as if it was an animal cruelty case? So not often because part of the problem is uh, what I would consider the problem is that um, animal hoarding is not very often reported. When it is reported, it's typically to um, the you know police or to um, animal welfare units. They'll come in, they take the animals, um, bring them to shelters or foster. Sometimes there are charges brought against the person, um, but not always. And then they're just left to go about their business again. And the problem with this this way of going about addressing hoarding is that the um, the emotions or the behaviors of the person involved in hoarding is very different than the emotions or behaviors that are involved in other types of abuse. And that's why I start with that big umbrella of, yes, hoarding is considered part of animal abuse, but it is a facet of it. Um, so instead of being about power and control, it is actually comes from a place usually of wanting to do good and not being able to stop oneself. Right. And so from a social work lens, when we look at, you know, the DSM or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, um, whereas many types of um, abuse, uh, physical abuse or animal sexual abuse are considered part of um excuse me, uh, conduct disorder, hoarding instead is considered a compulsive disorder. So it's more like mm. an addiction. I see. Is it is it considered an addiction? Yes, it is. Okay. So, and it's probably also, I mean, so would all hoarders be considered to be OCD? Not necessarily. The behavior is a compulsive behavior, and it really depends, just like with addiction, how severe. Um, so the severity can be pretty extreme, or it could be just needing some minimal support and some refocusing of behaviors. So there's a very wide spectrum. And is our puppy mills considered hoarding? Not necessarily. So it depends on how we how you look at it. So if they are... If there are too many animals that they're not getting appropriate food, water, shelter, socialization, and veterinary care, yes, absolutely, it falls into hoarding. Um, but also what ends up happening with puppy mills is that's a business and a profit. And so the the lens with which somebody is, is keeping those animals, right? So is it for business? And then we actually have a neglect case. Um, or is it actual hoarding? So there's a little bit of a gray area there. 
Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And why do people hoard different things? Like, you know, there's that TV show, Hoarders or whatever, yeah. where people just collect stuff, you know, magazines stacked to the roofs and things like that. Yeah. Why does one person hoard magazines and another hoard cats? What What is up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like asking why is one person a bookworm and the other one's a cat lady. Uh, <laughs> it, it's what they're drawn to. Uh, there might be a, a historical reason. It might be, you know, we've always had cats in the family, and so I want one more. And then the neighbor down the street is moving, and they can't take theirs, so I'll take theirs in. And then somebody else, you know, their their grandma passed away, and they don't want the cat, so I'll take their cat. So you just kind of accumulate. Um, and then there's also just... I can do more. I have more. I want more. Uh, so it can come from a very empathetic place and it can come from a very, um, you know, personal desire driven place. Yeah. And, and, and so how many, how many cats should you have? How do you, is there a number to say, okay, I have 10, I'm now a hoarder or what is that number? Or is it 80 or is it a hundred? <laughs> Um, so there really is not a number. It's really about the, the individual's ability to provide each of those components of welfare, um, adequately and appropriately. So there's, and I believe you've actually done some of the the legwork on this, but some work around, um, you know, litter box usage and amount of space for play and all of those different components come into how many is okay. Um, you know, if you live in a small city apartment, it's not going to be the same no matter how much, you know, money literally that you have. You can pay for veterinary care, but, you know, you might not have 10 cats in your 800 square foot apart- apartment. It's not enough space. So right. there's a little bit of math, but there's also a lot of resources and time. Absolutely. And that's, and I did a podcast on how many cats should you have? And I researched all the formulas of square footage to cat and laps to cats and things like that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, can you keep that cat happy and thriving in an indoor environment, which is hard enough when you only have one. But if you have several and you're doing all the right things, like providing enough litter boxes, and that's one more than numbers of cats. So, you know, ladies listening, if you have 80 cats, you need 81 litter boxes. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> unless you're living in a barn, it's probably don't have room for that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and pray play you with each cat and yeah. all kinds of stuff you have to do daily. So, yeah, I could see it could get overwhelming very quickly. And you do actually, you just said something that, that really strikes a chord too, of like if you have barn cats or you have outside cats, um, it's the same thing as with, um, we have the conversation with, with dogs and horses and working animals in general. They still need the socialization and the veterinary care. And that does not mean running off and chasing birds by themselves. So I like your analogy of, or not even analogy, but your math of laps to cat. Um, because they really, this is about the human animal bond. It's, it's how much time can you as a person put into their growth and their wellness and and love um, before you burn out? Right. Why don't people, you know, obviously these people that are hoarding cats are so well-intentioned. I mean, they love cats. They feel deeply for the needs of these little animals. Why can't they see that what they're doing is causing harm to the animals? So I think a lot of that falls into the mental health piece. Um, And I say that from the lens of of social work. Um, 
I, I really think that it, it comes from a really good place. And when we cross over from from trying to do good to having a mental health challenge, that's where a lot of that that um, introspective insight is lost. Um, so for one, that is just a component of um, compulsive disorders. The, the other piece of it is not knowing what the alternative is. So maybe I have one cat too many in my house, but man, it might be so much worse for them if they had to be in a shelter. So I'm just going to do the best I can. And so it, it really comes from a place of um, trying to be selfless. And kind of missing the mark, even with the best intention. Um, so really, I think the, the core or key resource um, that I tend to help bring people to are kind of the factual statements. So the National Link Coalition um, is one resource that really does do a great job of um, explaining hoarding in different circumstances um, and that hoarding might look very different for, and again, your, your lab um, calculations kind of play into this, but when you're 30 and working 60 hours a week is very different than when you're 60 and home a little more and is still different when you're 80 and don't have as much mobility. And so um, there's a little bit of work around the lifespan that the link does as well in terms of um, animal care, especially towards elderly years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what to do if you yourself find, find maybe I'm crossing into this gray space or if you know somebody um, and where to connect across all 50 states um, for protect, laws protecting animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's... That's got to be a, a slippery slope there, too, because I, and I know it happens. It starts often with fostering. You know, people get um, they get approved to be fosters for maybe a couple different organizations and they get, you know, oh, I saw this litter. Oh, I just I had to save them. They were going to euthanize them. So they get a litter of kittens. And then, oh, there were these cats that, you know, we were feeding, but they're they're kind of friendly and I don't want them to have to live outside. So I took those, too. And then. You know, I had a behavior consult yesterday with a, a woman who's fostering six cats and has three of her own. And, you know, and, and she's having behavior issues. And, you know, <laughs> sometimes I, I have to say, well, you have nine cats in the house. And, yeah, there's going to be some territorial behaviors going on. I mean, it's, you know, that's a lot of cats. And, and then when I give them their homework, you know, it's very important you give each cat attention and your prey play with each cat, not together. It's not a group activity, you know, three times a day for 10 to 15 minutes. And she looks at me like, I don't have that kind of time. I'm like, well, maybe some of these cats <laughs> need to find their permanent home. You know? yeah. It's uh, it's so hard. And I, I know it's got to be so, so hard. So helping someone recognizing that they need help how is there a is there a checklist that people can go through in their own minds to say okay I need some I'm in over my head I need some help here how, how would you help them define that so the first thing I would say is to go to the the National Link Coalition for one um, the second one is um, if if there is a positive relationship with your veterinarian Talk to your veterinarian about your own concerns. 
Um, they're not mandated reporters, so they're a safe source to say, I want your opinion, I want your help. Um, now, from the veterinary social work lens where I sit, we are also working very closely with many different um, veterinary clinics. Uh, so the practice that I'm a co-owner of is Healing Paws, and it's the only veterinary social work practice in Northeast Ohio. And part of what we do is work with veterinary centers um, to come in and help navigate what we would call challenging conversations. So the veterinarian might say to us, hey, I have this person who's exploring whether or not they're experiencing hoarding. Can you sit down with them? And we would actually have a full appointment to sit down and talk with them and help either bring resources in or make some decisions around their ownership of those animals. Uh, so checking in with local uh, veterinary social workers um, and then also just generally social workers in general um, really do our, our I would say many have their hearts in the right place to at least provide the right referrals if they don't have the knowledge themselves. So Psychology Today is a really great resource for finding somebody local if you're looking to just talk. Um, but if it's more about connecting someone else in your community, using the National Link Coalition or reaching out to, to my practice and, and letting us be a facilitator for you. Tell everybody what your website is so they know how to reach out to you. It is healingpausellc.com. And, of course, that's P-A-W-S, right? (laughs) It is. It's (laughs) And so what happens when, if we have a friend or like in the situation of this person who reached out to me, she, um, she took action. She actually called animal control and... And reported this and said this person had, you know, more cats than they could take care of and told them they had 80 cats and, you know, kind of turned it over to animal control. But short of that, let's say someone's not comfortable doing that because they don't want the animals seized. If we have a friend or an acquaintance that we suspect is struggling with hoarding or maybe getting close to a, a dangerous number of cats in their house, what what is appropriate to say what how do you how do you start that conversation and how do you have that conversation with them so it is hard uh, the first thing that I'm going to do is acknowledge that that is a hard place to be in especially if you're somebody who does really value both the human and the animal um, I have some I don't know how they're in my life but I have some people who don't understand the love we have for animals uh, they've never had a pet before and so they it's it's a little bit different of a lens from that that degree, then you're really coming from, you know, I appreciate you as a person and I see a concern. Um, but knowing the the bond for humans and animals, really starting genuine, right? So I'm worried about you. I want to talk to you because I'm seeing something that I'm not comfortable with. I'm your friend. I love you and I care about you. We need to talk, um, which are, you know, the, the intervention conversations. Um, but then saying, you know, it's here are resources, right? I'm going to hold your hand and walk with you through this. So it's the same way that when I have a, um, if we do child abuse cases or elderly abuse cases, it's the same idea of I, I'm noticing something that's not okay. I'm not going to wash my hands of it. I want to walk you through with this. So I would say, for example, if it was with you, I'd say, Hey, look, um, I'm noticing that you have 
a lot of cats here and more cats than are able to really be cared for appropriately. I'm noticing that they don't all have um, appropriate food and clean water, that their waste is, you know, quite frequently in places it shouldn't be, and they don't seem to be very happy. Um, you know, there's not as much socialization. Can we talk together about ways that we can help to either reduce the number of cats that are in the house or provide other situations for them? Um, I'm here to help. I want to walk with you through this. I care about you, and I care about these animals. Um and what that can also look like is involving the Humane Society or a local shelter or somewhere that you trust. Let's pick a place together that you trust. And let's also get you some help because it's going to hurt. But I'm not going anywhere and I'll help you through it. Yeah, um, that's good. That's the way to do it together. I also don't think that there's a problem if it's your neighbor four doors down who you're, you're never even going to ask for a cup of sugar it's okay to call the Humane Society or whomever your local contact is and say, hey, I'm concerned about there being too many cats down the road. Can you please check it out? That's what they're there for. Now, my, my, pra- my practice, the Healing Pause, we work with the Humane Society to say, hey, do you need a social worker to come out with you? Right? Mm-hmm. So we work with that side of it so that they're prepared um, to help both the person and their own staff through that situation. But it's always better to ask, to raise the question and ask. Yeah, that's good. Now, if you're a person who has addiction running in your family and you find yourself with four or five cats and you're really pulled at the heartstrings of all the posts of all the cats in need, do, do you need to be more concerned than a person who doesn't have addiction running in their family that that you might not be able to say no and and fall in that trap so i don't want to make broad sweeping statements about somebody's ability for themselves but the the short answer is yeah you want to be a little careful um so (laughs) i mean i would say you know, don't, don't follow those pages on social media. I know, I know that like, I like to follow horses are kind of my jam and I really like to follow them, but I would end up with an entire farm and that's not the place that I'm at in my life. So I don't follow those pages right now, you know? So, um, yes, it is a form of addiction, which means just like with, you know, if we're talking about gambling, if we're talking about drug use, if we're talking about any other form, Yes, cats are positive versus those have really negative effects, but it's the same idea of if you, you, you have to have some onus and some responsibility to put some barriers around temptation. And so if you already are up to five and they've all come through the same website, don't go to that site. (laughs) You know, there's, there's definitely some practices that are helpful, (laughs) Mm-hmm. Block those pages on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And just know that, you know, it's okay, right? There are other people. And when in doubt, volunteer, right? Not foster. Mm-hmm. Like, volunteer your time with very specific boundaries over what you can do. So that way you're still helping. Because if this is, comes from a place of, I want to save all the cats, I don't want anybody to be euthanized, then go be one of the cat huggers down the road at the, you know, Summit County Humane Society and and help the cats be social for a little while. You know, there's yeah. other things you can do to still help. Absolutely. And and every organization needs volunteer help. And that's hard, too, because that's like, you know, that's like, like uh, 
<laughs> that's like having gambling addiction issues and cleaning the slot machines you know? yeah. <laughs> because you're like right there in the midst of it and it's really hard to say no and walk out and not leave them but it, but it, it is a way to help if you recognize that you're helping you can recognize that and you can also ask for certain things like can I help with the cats that are not ready for adoption right so you don't have that ability to take one home today right uh, there's, there are different different ways that you can still give of yourself um, with specific boundaries in place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like bottle feeding. Go yeah. bottle feed some babies. And <laughs> exactly. Because that, uh, without waking up every two or three hours to have to feed those little guys through the night, I'm out on that. But I don't mind going into the nursery and feeding them for a couple hours, you know, on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anything else that we haven't touched on that you think would be helpful for people to know about hoarding? Um, I think one of the one of the pieces that I when we talk about this as a um, an under under discussed conversation, especially across the lifespan. Um, so. I feel like the, um, especially elder populations get left out very often, um, and sometimes need some additional support. And so if there is a way that there, if there's anybody in your community is that is, um, older and they're either not able to have their pets anymore, or they need support in having their pets, um, it's a really great way to be able to support your local community either by, you know what, can I come by and change the litter box a couple times a week? Um, I know that doesn't quite fall into hoarding, but by not providing that care, the animals start to hedge towards that kind of category. Mm -hmm. And so a really good way of helping our community members is saying, what can I do to help keep those animals healthy and safe and well? Um, So helping out in the community um, or saying, you know, I understand that you can't have your own, your own cats anymore. Would you like me to bring mine by, or would you like to come over once a week or, or something of that nature? So just kind of keeping an eye out for our, our elderly folks. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's real good. I used to do a, uh, um, uh, a pet therapy program where I would take cats and kittens into nursing homes so they would get an opportunity to socialize and pet the cats and kittens because they couldn't have their own pets there. And that's yeah. a, that's an awesome program too. Exactly. So just like that, I would yeah. say that's a, just a piece to bring, to bring home. And then just understanding um, that hoarding, I, I, you know, I, I, I love hate that it became a TV show. Right. <laughs> in in and of itself, it's addictive to watch, but it's also painful to watch because really, people who hoard do have an underlying mental health challenge. Hoarding is an addiction, and it is harmful to the animals involved. Um, so, at the end of the day, you know, I I wish it wasn't enjoyable to watch because it's really it's it's painful. Um, and so, I think just understanding and reiterating that the the people involved are suffering just as much as the animals and so the more um empathetic we can all be and provide help and support and know how to provide help and support um the better it will be for everybody 
Yeah, that's good. Um, go ahead and repeat again the resources that, that you want to share with everybody so that they have those, um, those websites at hand. Yes. So the first one is the National Link Coalition, L-I-N-K. You can actually put it right into Google. It's the first site that pops up. Um, it is a really, really wonderful resource for all types of animal abuse. So the link refers to the link between interpersonal violence and animal abuse and hoarding is within that structure. Um, so that is one phenomenal resource. And then um, our my, my um, practices website, The Healing Paws, LLC. Um, so definitely feel free to reach out. And then if there are other resources that anybody listening would like or connection, please feel free to reach out to me as well. And I'm more than happy. I, I love being a, a networker and a connector. So um, feel free to reach out. And um, my direct email is just avivavincent at gmail.com. So A-V-I-V-A-V-I-N-C-E-N-T at gmail.com. Great. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And to everybody listening, um, if you have ideas for other podcast topics like like this one that we covered today, email them to me at molly at cattalkradio.com. And also check out our website, catbehaviorsolutions.org. And if you happen to be a hoarder, you probably need some washable rugs. <laughs> and we have are featuring these really cool rugs that even the largest sizes will fit in your washing machine. And you can find those at rugs.cattalkradio.com. Don't put in the www's, just rugs. CatTalkRadio.com. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and um, share with your cat loving friends too so they can get all the great information on how to care for your cats better. And as long as shelter euthanasia is the number one cause of death in cats, we will be putting this information out there to help you. So until next time, keep calm and purr on. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. 
All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop.